Hello, friends of the artist's way who are falling. Welcome to week nine. I hope you've had a great eight week, week eight, and um, that the tasks were helpful and brought you joy and recovery and a sense of empowerment and strength and self-confidence. I found um, imagining those ideal days that were on tasks, whether in this current condition or otherwise, uh, quite enjoyable, especially besides the rest of the tasks. Always morning pages are great. So week nine is about, it's called the recovering a sense of compassion. She says this week finds us facing the internal blocks of creativity. It may be tempting to abandon ship at this point. Don't. We will explore and acknowledge the emotional difficulties that beset us in the past as we made creative efforts. We will undertake healing the shame of past failures. We will gain in compassion as we reparent the frightened artist's child who yearns to be creative or for creative accomplishment. We will learn tools to dismantle emotional blocks and support renewed risk. The first part, she decides to explore the topic of fear. <clears throat> she says, one of the most important tasks in artistic recovery is learning to call things and ourselves by the right names. Most of us have spent years using the wrong names for our behaviors. We have wanted to create and we have been unable to create and we have called this inability laziness. This is not merely inaccurate. It is cruel. Accuracy and compassion serve us better, far better. Blocked artists are not lazy. They are blocked. Being blocked and being lazy are two different things. The blocked artist typically expands a great deal of energy, just not visibly. The blocked artist spends energy on safe hatred, on regret, on grief, and on jealousy. The blocked artist spends energy on self-doubt. The blocked artist does not know how to begin with baby steps. Instead, the blocked artist thinks in terms of great, big, scary, impossible tasks. A novel, a future film, a one-person show, etc., when these large tasks are not accomplished or even begun, the block artist calls them laziness. Do not call the inability to start, to start laziness. Call it fear. It may be the fear of failure or fear of success. Most frequently, it is fear of abandonment. This fear has roots in childhood reality. Most block artists try to become artists against either their parents' good wishes or their parents' good judgment. For a youngster, this is quite a conflict. To go squarely against your parents' values means you better know what you're doing. You better not just be an artist. You better be a great artist if you're going to hurt your parents so much. Parents do act hurt when children rebel. And declaring oneself an artist is usually viewed by parents as an act of rebellion. Because artists still yearn for their creative goals, they then feel guilty. I can remember that and I can say um, even with my parents who, uh, you know, my family, whoever I grew up around, they were very liberal and open-minded and educated and, and um, empowering and they really 
supported me in everything. Uh, this particular thing, I remember my dad had uh, at times um, some reactions that, you know, this is not practical. And he even like, uh, you know, anyway, we all have these stories, right? So it can happen to the best of them and best of us. <laughs> The need to be a great artist makes uh, makes it hard to be an artist. The need to produce a great work of art makes it hard to produce any art at all. So it's important to, she says, don't call procrastinations laziness, call it fear. Use love for, for your artist to cure its fear. Stop yelling at yourself, be nice. Call fear by its right name. And uh, next part is uh, titled Enthusiasm. She explains after a quote um, herself, as artists, grounding our self-image in military discipline is dangerous. In the short run, discipline may work, but it will work only for a while. By its very nature, discipline is rooted in self-admiration. Think of discipline as a battery, useful but short-lived. We admire ourselves for being so wonderful. The discipline itself, not the creative outflow, becomes the point. That part of us that creates best is not a driven, disciplined, automaton functioning from willpower with a booster of pride to back it up. This is operating out of self-will. You know the image, rising at dawn with military precision, saluting the desk, the easel, the drawing board. Over an extended period of time, being an artist requires enthusiasm more than discipline. Enthusiasm is not an emotional state. It is a spiritual commitment, a loving surrender to our creative process, a loving recognition of all the creativity around us. There is a quote from Duke Ellington and Arving Mills that says, if it don't mean a thing, if it ain't got that swing. Enthusiasm from the Greek, meaning filled with God, is an ongoing energy supply tapped into the the flow of life itself. Enthusiasm is grounded in play, not work. Far from being a brain-numbed soldier, our artist is actually our child within, our inner playmate. As with all playmates, it is joy, not duty, that makes for a lasting bond. True, our artist may rise at dawn to greet the typewriter or easel or the morning stillness, in the morning stillness, but this event has more to do with a child's love of secret adventure than with iron-clad discipline. I always loved, I had a friend who used to explain to me that he wakes up every morning excited about what the day has to, and he was he was an artist. He used to play the cello, the guitar, the piano. He used to, um, he actually passed away, that's why. And, um, you know, while I'm talking about this, we are actually in the middle of, uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement right now. And uh, he was, you know, uh, I think he was, he said he had Caribbean um, backgrounds, but he was a black man in, from New York, from um, Staten Island, but I met him in, in California and he um, 
I don't know if I can say he was a blocked artist because he really explained to me, you know, short parenthesis in between this, that, um, you know, there were a lot of efforts that he would have made, he made in his life, really strong ones. He even w was training for the Olympics. Um, and, um, but it wouldn't, he wouldn't have a chance. Like there were so many, um, odds that he had to you know win against and it was very difficult and it, it can really be overwhelming at times you know we all have um and there are many different reasons that we you know but he had the enthusiasm it was amazing like he would live his life to the fullest there was a time that we really we hung out a lot and um it was really inspiring to witness how much energy he had and how excited he was about life. <clears throat> anyway, so um, there is another quote about René Francois Guichelain, Magritte, that says, art evokes the mystery without which the world would not exist. For our purposes, the journey is always the only arrival may be interpreted to mean that our creative work is actually our creativity itself at play in the field of time. At the heart of this play is the mystery of joy. She goes on in next part. It's called Creative U-Turns. A productive artist is quite often a happy person. This can be very threatening as a self-concept to those who are used to getting their needs met by being unhappy. Those of us addicted to sympathy in the place of creativity can become increasingly threatened as we become increasingly functional. Many recovering artists become so threatened that they make U-turns and sabotage themselves. We're more comfortable being a victim artist's block than victim of artist's block than risking having to consistently be productive and healthy. An artist, artistic U-turn arrives on a sudden wave of indifference. Stendhal says, man is not free to refuse to do the thing which gives him more pleasure than any other conceivable action. Yeah, we we have to we suffer the consequences of that, right? So she's giving a few examples of what are these creative U-turns are. For example, a screenwriter has an agent interested in wrapping a script with just a few changes. He doesn't make the changes. An actress producer with a solid script is offered studio deal to further develop her project. She finds fault with the deal and then shelves the project entirely. A painter is invited into a group show, his first, but picks a fight with the gallery owner, and so on. In dealing with our creative U-turns, we must first of all extend ourselves some sympathy. Creativity is scary, and in all careers, there are U-turns. A successful creative career is always built on successful creative failures. The trick is to survive them. It helps to remember that even our most illustrious illustrious artists have taken creative U-turns in their time. And she has some examples of some of these, um, you know, giants actually who have um, taken these U-turns. 
There's a quote from Anais Nin. says, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. She continues, have compassion. Creative U-turns are always born from fear. Fear of success or fear of failure. It doesn't really matter which. The net result is the same. To recover from a creative U-turn or a pattern involving many creative U-turns, we must first admit that it exists. Yes, I did react negatively to fear and pain. Yes, I do need help. Think of your talent as a young and skittish horse that you are bringing along. This horse is very talented, but it is also young, nervous, and inexperienced. It will make mistakes, be frightened by obstacles it hasn't seen before. It even may bolt, try to throw you off, feign lameness. <clears throat> your job as a creative jockey is to keep your horse moving forward and to coax it into finishing the course. Who do I know? Who has an agent? She's suggesting some uh, ways to perhaps take this path, right? When the fear comes, when you want to take a U-turn, when you feel alone and you just want to give in. You know, these questions are good to ask. You can ask yourself, who do I know who has an agent? Then ask them how they got one. Who do I know who has done a successful rewrite? Ask them how to do one. Do I know anyone who has survived a savage review? Ask them what they did to heal themselves. Once we admit the need for help, the help arrives. The ego always wants to claim self-sufficiency. It would rather pose as a creative loner than ask for help. Ask anyway. Next part is called blasting through blocks. In order to work freely on a project, an artist must be at least functionally free of resentment or anger and resistance or fear. What do we mean by that? We mean that any buried barriers must be aired before the work can produce, proceed. The same holds true for any buried payoffs to not working. Blocks are seldom mysterious. They are instead recognizable artistic defenses against what is perceived rightly or wrongly as a hostile environment. Remember, your artist is a creative child. It sulks, throws tantrums, holds grudges, harbors irrational fears. Like most children, it is afraid of the dark, the boogeyman, the any adventure that isn't safely scary. As your artist's parent and guardian, its big brother, warrior, and companion, it falls to you to convince your artist it is safe to come out and work or play. Beginning any new project, it's a good idea to ask your artist a few simple questions. These questions will help remove common boogaboos standing between your artist and the work. These same questions asked when we work when work grows difficult or bogs down, usually act to clear the obstructed flow. Number one, list any resentments or angers you have in connection with this project. It does not matter how petty, picky, or irrational these resentments may appear to your adult self. To your artist child, there are real big deals, grudges, 
Some examples. I resent being the second artist ass, not the first. I am too the best. I resent this editor. She just nitpicks. She never says anything nice. I resent doing work for this idiot. He never pays me on time. Number two, ask your artist to list any and all fears about the projected piece of work and or anyone connected to it. Again, these fears can be as dumb as any two-year-olds. It does not matter that they are groundless to your adult's eye. Adult's eye. What matters is that they are big, scary monsters to your artists. Some examples. I'm afraid the work will be rotten and I won't know it. I'm afraid the work will be good and they, they won't know it. I'm afraid all my ideas are hacking, hacking, hacknied and outdated. Hackenide? I'm afraid my ideas are ahead of their time. I'm afraid I'll starve. I'm afraid I'll never finish. I'm afraid I'll never start. I'm afraid I will be embarrassed. I'm already embarrassed. The list goes on. Number three, ask yourself if that is all. Have you left out any itsy fear? Have you suppressed any stupid anger? Get it on the page. Number four, ask yourself what you stand to, be, to gain by not doing the piece of work. Some examples, if I don't write this piece, no one can hate it. If I don't write the piece, my jerk editor will worry. If I don't paint, sculpt, act, sing, dance, I can criticize others knowing I could do better. There's a quote from Charlie Parker. Music is your own experience, your thoughts, your wisdom. If you don't live it, it won't come out your horn. Ain't that the truth? Number five, make your deal. The deal is, okay, creative force, you take care of the quality, I'll take care of the quantity. Sign your deal and post it. A word of warning, this is a very powerful exercise. It can do fatal damage to a creative block. There's a quote from Lao Tzu, says, be really whole and all things will come to you. And here we are at the tasks at the end of the chapter. Before that, I'll, I uh, will read this quote from J. Krishnamurti in the book. It says, learning is movement from moment to moment. Task number one, read your morning pages. This process is best undertaken with two colored markers. One to highlight insights and other to highlight actions needed. Do not judge your pages or yourself. This is very important. Yes, they will be boring. Yes, they may be painful. Consider them a map. Take them as information, not an indictment. Take stock. Who have you consistently been complaining about? What have you procrastinated on? What blessedly have you allowed yourself to change or accept? Take heart. Many of us notice an alarming tendency toward black and white thinking. He's terrible. He's wonderful. I love him. I hate him. It's a great job. It's a terrible job. And so forth. Don't be thrown by this. Acknowledge. 
The pages have allowed us to vent without self-destruction, to plan without interference, to complain without an audience, to dream without restriction, to know our own minds. Give yourself credit for undertaking them. Give them credit for the changes and growth they've fostered. Awesome. Task number two, visualizing. You have already done work with naming your goal and identifying true north. The following exercise will ask you to fully imagine having your goal accomplished. Please spend enough time to fill in the juicy details that would really make the experience wonderful for you. Name your goal. I am dot dot dot. In the present tense, describe yourself doing it at the height of your power. This is your ideal scene. Read this aloud to yourself. Post this above your work area. Read this aloud daily. For the next week, collect actual pictures of yourself and combine them with magazines, images to collage your ideal scene described above. Remember, seeing is believing. And the added visual cue of your real self in your ideal scene can make it far more real. (laughs) Number three. Priorities. List for yourself your creative goals for the year. List for yourself your creative goals for the month. List for yourself your creative goals for the week. Number four, creative U-turns. All of us have taken creative U-turns. Name one of yours. Name three more. Name the one that just kills you. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for all the failures of nerve, timing, and initiative. Devise a personalized list of affirmations to help you do better in the future. Very gently, very gently consider whether any aborted, abandoned, savaged, or sabotaged brain children can be rescued. Remember, you're not alone. All of us have taken creative U-turns. Choose one creative U-turn. Retrieve it. Mend it. Do not take a creative U-turn now. Instead, notice your resistance. Morning pages seeming difficult, stupid, pointless, too obvious. Do them anyway. What creative dreams are lurching toward possibility? Admit that they frighten you. Choose an artist totem. It might be a doll, a stuffed animal, a carved figurine, or a wind-up toy. The point is to choose something you immediately feel a protective fondness towards. Give your totem a place of honor and then honor it by not beating up on your artist's child. John Holt, who's an educator, has a quote that says, We learn to do something by doing it. There is no other way. Very well, artists. I hope uh, that you have an amazing week ahead. I'm looking forward to doing some of these tasks and either way I will try to do all of them. I will do all of them. (laughs) And um, 
Yeah, I wish I there would be a way for me to hear back from you. If you can, you can send me a message here. And uh, until next week, have an amazing week, artists. Good night. Namaste.